You bet you are. It is uh, nine minutes after 7 o'clock, the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. We are here hitting the ground running. Lots to talk about tonight. We will get to employment issues, of course. Severance, losing your job, maintaining your job, dealing with bosses, harassment, uh, workplace, how much money you should be getting. It's a, a very wide topic. We discuss all kinds of things. And, of course, the phone calls for you. We are ready to take them. Lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, and one 225 talk that is absolutely toll-free. Reminder, not only tonight, Wednesday night, which is really the flagship though, uh, show, that's where we started all those years ago, still happening at 7 o'clock, and the weekend shows, and of course, Employment Hour in 30 happens on Global TV and CTV on your weekend mornings as well. What a mouthful. I digress. My brother, how are you? Doing great, John. Thank you very much. Uh, really great to be back here. Beautiful day out. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the phone calls. This is really what it's all about. It's about us answering questions, solving some problems, and informing people about their legal rights in the workplace. So don't just sit there, you know, pick up that phone. Give us a call. Let's talk about your problems. And, and you know, you're doing others a favor if you, if you call us because not only can we help you by talking to us, by us talking to you and solving your problems will solve other people's problems so if you want to talk to me call me right now if you want to talk to me privately we'll give you my contact information so we can talk off air but let's not be bashful let's fix those workplace problems that they exist i know they do i speak to people every single day that's what i do as an employment lawyer and uh, we're here to fix them and the week that was johnny a couple situations let me start off with uh, that I saw just over the past uh, few days uh, into uh, late last week. First situation I'll tell you about uh, involves a, uh, a gentleman who uh, recently was found out that he got a, well, I guess about a year ago now, found that he got a promotion. So he was working uh, in, in kind of the photocopy room, photocopying and, and you know doing all kinds of admin work. Uh, and he found out that he's going to be working with the HR manager, assisting the human resources manager. Uh, so, And that came with a nice pay increase, about 20% pay increase. Uh, and he was very happy, and he'd been doing it for the last year. Hmm. Well, very recently, within the last few days, the employer come, came to him and said, well, that temporary position that we gave you with HR is now over. Uh, we found someone permanent. And we're going to take you back and put you in that old position, the old uh-huh. position in the mail room, uh, in the copy room. And, and by the way, we'll reduce your pay by 20% to what it was before. Well, the problem with that, John, this idea that this position was temporary was news to him. He had no idea. No one ever told him uh, to the extent that they wanted to make it temporary. It was news to him. No one shared that information with him. And he called right. me upset, saying, you know, I, I've now been used over the last year making 20% more. Can, do I have to take this pay cut? Do I have to go back to, to the, the other job, which I didn't like as much? Well, here's the thing, John. If the, if the position truly was temporary, if in fact they had agreed with them that this is just a temporary assignment, then yes, the company would have had the right to take him back and put him back in that old position. But that's not what happened here. The company never told him that it was temporary. From his perspective, that was his new role. And because of that, they cannot reduce his pay. They cannot demote him. By doing that, they're putting him in a constructive dismissal situation. The only time a company can uh, say something is, is temporary is if they gave the employee the heads up at the beginning when the change first happened. They can't decide retroactively that it's temporary. So if you're in a position and uh, you, you have a role, you have a certain pay, that's your role. That's your pay. The company can't take that away. They can't make up reasons. They can't say, well, we didn't mean to. It was temporary. If they do that, 
that's a constructive dismissal. You may have a right at that point, John, to treat your employment as being terminated and leave with your severance. What if the employer in that case had said verbally, not written it down, not signed a piece of paper, but it verbally back then said, oh, by the way, this is just temporary, off you go. Would that hold well, here's, up or no? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, the company has to prove that it's temporary, not the employee. Right. So if they could prove it, if they can prove that that's what they said, then I guess that's fine. You know, the point is that you're making, of course, is it's very difficult to prove something that's verbal. So it's always the right thing and good form to put things in writing. But hypothetically speaking, if they said, we told you, and he says, yeah, you did, well, there you go. But right. it's very difficult to, to prove things that, that are verbal. And in this case, uh, this this gentleman swears up and down that he had no idea. So, no, that's not how you make something temporary. And because of that, John, he's been constructively dismissed. He doesn't have to take a 20% pay cut, and I'm going to help him get what he's owed. Nice. As we mentioned, phone lines are open already, 416-870-6400-640. On sale, you have questions, comments, scratching your head about something to do with your job. Maybe that sounds familiar. One triple eight two two five. talk that number is toll-free. What else you got going on, pal? You know, another situation where it kind of makes me scratch my head that the company doesn't know better. In fact, this particular mm-hmm. case was a, a large company, fairly well-known, one would expect would know better. And what involved is a, a, a lady that went on a disability leave. She had some uh, some serious health issues that uh, unrelated to work that she was recovering from. She had to go through surgery. And after being away for about three or th- close to four months, I guess, uh, she, she decided and, and she was able to come back. She was clear to come back to work. Uh, on her very first day back to work, the company calls her into a meeting and says, well, we, you know, we've decided to restructure. Uh, your role now is not going to be existing anymore, so we're going to let you go. And they let her go. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so when she called me, I asked her, well, were you the only one being let go? She, she said, yeah, she was the only one. Again, it's a big company. Now, here's what probably happened. The, prob- the company probably decided that while she was away, that, you know what, we actually don't really need right. this role. But if a decision is made because she's not there because of a medical leave, well, that's probably a human rights violation. You cannot let an employee go if the termination decision has anything at all to do with the, with the medical leave, with the disability leave. If you do that, not only obviously do you owe severance, because you always owe severance, it's a human rights violation. So to me, this was a termination that was motivated, at least in part, by her uh, absence, by her medical and disability leave. And that's illegal. So I want our, our listeners to understand that if you're off on a medical leave, if you're off, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it could be off for a long time. You have a right to that job. The company cannot decide that they don't want you. The company cannot decide that we'll take this opportunity to make a change if they do that. Not only do they have to pay you the usual severance, they have to pay you additional amounts because of the human rights violation. Uh, And beyond that, if you're still sick, you're still now well and they let you go, you actually may be owed enhanced severance. Mm -hmm. So this company did it wrong and this company should have known better. And there's also a lesson here, John, that don't assume that just because you're working for a big or sophisticated company that they know what they're doing. I see this day in, day out. Large companies making big mistakes, mistakes they should not make, uh, and you know, ultimately my job is to fix those. Now, in a similar situation with a different employee, say she or he was, uh, you know, went down with the ship with a group of employees, say that whole that whole office. That's a different situation, right? Or at least more difficult to prove that it was part of your disability. No. Absolutely. If the company yeah. let go of a group of people at the same time and you're part of that group, well, it's going to be difficult to say that well, you're letting me go because of yep. uh, my disability because they'll say, no, we're letting a bunch of people go. That's a big restructuring. And, and, and that seems better. That, that makes more sense. 
But it's difficult for a company to say, we're only letting go the person on a disability leave, but it really has nothing to do with the disability leave, trust me. Uh, right. That doesn't really pass the smell test in that situation. And, and to me, that's always going to be a human rights violation, illegal. 416 870 star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk That number, by the way, is toll-free. Love talking to you on this show. John, opening call. How are you, pal? Good, good. Thank you. I was wondering, on um, when you're being offered a job, I had this happen to me, where they want you to sign to limit any severance to like two weeks was my case and uh i went back at them with it and signed back something else and pulled the offer i, I suppose they can pull the offer for any reason but um what rules around um and limiting your severance front yeah well here's the thing i mean at the end of the day a company is allowed to enter into an agreement with an employee that limits future severance. And companies are starting to get more sophisticated and realize, holy cow, this severance is very, very expensive, so let's try to limit it. The problem is, in order for that to be enforceable, it has to be drafted in a very certain and specific way. And in my experience, probably 80% of the time, it doesn't do that. It's not actually enforceable. So even though the company tries to limit a person's severance, they haven't effectively done that, which means the person still gets their full severance. So can they do that? Yes, they have to do it correctly. And if they don't dot all the I's and cross all the T's, then it's not enforceable. So it's a good question. And I want our, our, our listeners to understand that number one, you have to pay attention in an employment agreement. You want to understand, are you signing away future severance? Because if you are, that could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Right. So if you're not sure what you're signing, what it means, call me, let me re review it. But on the other side of this thing, if you just lost your job and the company says, oh, look, you signed this agreement that limits your severance, don't assume that it actually does that. Don't assume that it's actually enforceable because it may not be. Right. You have to give me a call at that point. Let me look at it. Let me tell you if it's enforceable. Because if you're signing off on that severance letter thinking that you have no choice, you may find out later that you wrote another $50,000, and that will be too late, John. Thank you. Appreciate that, John. You want to get a hold of Lior anytime outside of the show, it's uh, helpandemploymenthour.com or 1-855-821-5900. That will put you uh, in touch with the team. Get back to the phones as we, uh, we love to. Jimmy, good evening. How are you, pal? Good evening, gentlemen. Um, I'm doing well, thank you, yourself. Excellent. Uh, my question is, my wife has been off for sick for now about eight years. And um, she was with a company uh, who's no longer existing. Um, she was in negotiations about ending her time with there and dealing with her sick benefits and a few other uh, issues that she had. Right. So it was all under back and forth and negotiations and et cetera. Like I said, now the company's just cheap. Is she entitled to anything? And if she is, is there a time limit on it? So she's been off for eight years. Yeah, she had a medical condition. Um, mm -hmm. The issue was that they wouldn't um, heed to her medical condition. You know what I mean? So she just had a leave. And then um, after about a, a year or two, um, she had, um, we started the process of uh, dealing with the insurance company. And some other stuff with the company, such as, like, you know, human rights, not um, dealing with her medical issues. Like, just, you know, little things of moving her desk closer to the bathroom because of her medical issues, stuff like that. Um, and she had a few other things that had happened at her work. Now, 
they wouldn't give her the medical benefits because they wanted to negotiate everything all at once. And so we went through about an, a year and a half of, you know, offers and stuff like that. And we put it, you know, just said, no, no, no. Now the company doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, that, that's the problem. At the end of the day, if it's clear and appears to be that your wife is not going to be able to come back to work, then, yeah, she would have been owed compensation. But there has to be someone that can pay that compensation, a company, an employer. So if there's no employer there, then literally it's, it's you know, it's the, you know, the air. I mean, there's no one there to pay her. So it's not a question of what she's owed. It's a question of who's going to pay it. And if there's no company, I think, unfortunately, you've waited a bit too long because now the company is gone. No one can pay it. So it's not a limitation issue. It's a question of no company. Okay, so, so we can't uh, unless the there's a company. company the, the insurance that? company that handles her medical benefits? No. That, wouldn't, that would not um, pay them? No, no, and the entitlements would not be from an insurance company. That would be from from the employer uh, at this point. And and if there's no company, that unfortunately there's nothing you could do because there's no one to pay it. That is rather yeah. <sighs> so so there's nothing like we can't even go after her because she's never even got um, what do you call it a a, not a termination letter of. Uh, Record of employment or anything. Again, again, you know that has to be issued by a company, right? And if there's no company, there's no no one can issue it. And I think the lesson here for everyone is you can't sit on these things, uh, and, and you know you don't can't sit on it for various reasons. And one of the reasons could be that the company is here today, but it may be gone tomorrow. It could close shop, it could go bankrupt, what have you. So you have to always pursue these legal rights while you still can. Okay, so so like I mean, like right now, I think she's part of a class action suit against Sears, right? Yeah, to get whatever she can, but like I mean, they can't go after the medical company or no, or, or no. whatever she cannot, it is. Unfortunately, no. so they they just prolonged it, trying to squeeze us. You know what I mean to making a, a deal, and then now we end up with nothing. I guess. Sorry, Jamie, insane. can't help you, man. We're going to take a uh, short break. It's a drag, big-time stories like that. But uh, your phone calls, we'll get right back to them after a short break. That number, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. And one 225 talk That number is toll-free. Abraham, Igor, Tom, I see you guys all waiting there. Hang on. We will get to you as we continue with the Employment Hour right here. And we're back for the Monday night edition. We do it Wednesdays, the weekends, and Employment Hour and 30 is on Global TV and CTV on your weekend mornings as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one talk tonight. That number, as always, is toll-free for you to uh, to call in. Right back to your calls. Thanks for, uh, for hanging in there. Igor, what's going on with you? Yeah, I was just uh, wondering. I have a question for the man there. I'm working nice. at a unionized shop right now, but I was wondering if I was ever to get a promotion and in the future was to let me let go, would I be entitled to uh, my full severance from the day one that I was hired from? Excellent question, Igor, and the answer is absolutely yes. So what happens is right now you're a unionized employee. If at some point you're promoted into a management position, now you're not a union employee anymore, and then at some point they let you go, then absolutely your service for the purpose of calculating severance starts on day one, whenever you first started as a unionized employee. And because if it, using that scenario, because at that point you wouldn't be part of a union, you would actually get severance. Remember, unionized employees don't really get severance. Uh, and obviously uh, the senior, more senior position, the more severance you get. So yeah, the good news is if you're promoted out of the bargaining unit, you still carry your seniority uh, and it counts if you're ever let go. Excellent. Thank you. 
Thank you, Igor. Appreciate that call. And I guess we should mention on the side that when it comes to unionized employees, and I know we answer this all the time, they cannot go outside of the union, the collective bargaining agreement, to, to, to hire legal help, correct? I probably spoken with three or four people today alone, Monday, yeah. uh, about this issue alone. And when they contacted me and they wanted to know what they could do and they're, they're part of a union and they, they didn't feel that the union was helping them. And unfortunately, what I had to tell them is when you're part of a union, the union is the only one allowed to help you. Not right. the, the one you should go to. They're the only one that's allowed to help you. You can't hire a lawyer. You can't hire me or someone else. You have to go with the union. And that's true even if they don't do a good job. There's no other options. There's no exceptions. So it's not that I don't want to help or I don't know how to help unionized employees. Is that I'm not allowed to help one. Mm. It has to be the union. If you are not a unionized employee and you need Lior's help, by the way, 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com. We'll get to Tom. Hey, Tom, thanks for hanging in, pal. How are you? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Um, I've got a question about... uh... Uh, I, uh, there's a, a gentleman who's been hired into my company recently. Uh, he actually starts tomorrow. I just found out of his hiring today. Um, uh, I am the VP of uh, a specific department, and he has been hired as a manager uh, of the same department. Uh, he's reporting to another individual within the company, but assuming half of um this is a of a track record with the company of, uh, you know, taking away my responsibilities per se. Um, I'm just wondering if this would be considered a constructive dismissal or what I should be doing at this point. So great questions, Tom. So, so there's two ways that this could potentially be a constructive dismissal. Number one is that obviously they, they take away, start taking away your duties and giving it to this gentleman. Uh, at that point, you know, the position that you have is not the position that you had and, and you're in a different role and a lesser role, then yeah, that could absolutely be a constructive uh, dismissal because uh, they changed the job. You're, even though they may not have changed the pay, they've changed the job. So you have the right to potentially treat that as a termination and leave with your severance. The other way it could be a constructive dismissal is if, uh, let's say they're not, they haven't taken the job, but they're kind of training him to do so. And if that becomes embarrassing, if you're kind of almost become like a bit of a lame duck there, everyone knows that you're going to be on your way out, and this guy is being groomed for your job, so it becomes uncomfortable and embarrassing, that embarrassment in itself could result in a constructive dismissal. So yes, in this situation, unless, of course, his job is different than yours, if it doesn't take away from your job, now if it takes a little bit away, that may be okay. But if it takes significant components away from you, from your job, then yeah, that would be a constructive dismissal and you'd have to make the decision. Do you stay uh, or do you treat that as a termination and get your severance? So I think what you need to do is once you realize that they that's happening, that they are taking away uh, positions or they're taking away responsibilities, tell them in writing that you, are, you understand that that's happening, that you're not comfortable with it, that, that you're not accepting that, and that you want them to do something about it, that you want them to, to, to fix that problem. You know, Even if it's just for formality, put that on paper, give them the opportunity to fix it, and if still nothing happens, if they still say, well, too bad, we're not doing anything to change that, then you have to make that decision at that point. Do you stay in the new role, or do you treat your employment as being constructively dismissed? So it's a little further complicated by the fact that I don't have a job description per se. Um, I founded the company with another individual, and we've now grown to about 25 
uh, employees. Right. Um, but the company has been taken over by several people who are rather power hungry. And I have been over the last six months uh, kind of continually demoted and intentionally excluded from company business. Um, it's just, it's been an ongoing trend over the last few months. Now, now this, I've finally, I've, I've kind of hit the bottom now. Uh, and I've crafted an email, but didn't want to say it without speaking to you first. Um, so does that add any complication that I have no documented job description? Because when there's only two of us, my job, job description was all-encompassing. I did whatever yeah. had to be done. I'm, I'm not overly worried about the job description because you know what you're doing. You can list, you know, one, two, three, four, five, all the responsibilities that you have, and they are what they are. What concerns me a bit more is the fact that, that you said over time they've already started taking away responsibilities. They've already demoted you uh, a number of times. And the concern is with that, the concern is that when that happens uh, and you allow it to happen, then you're considered to, to have said, yes, it's okay, I've accepted this. And if they do it again, at that point, it may be too late. So that's what I want to avoid. I want to avoid a situation where it's, it's, it almost looks like you've, you've given them the right to demote you. So here's what I want to do. This is obviously more important than, uh, or, or more complicated than we can address fully right now on the air. So before you send that email, I want you to reach out to me off air. Let's you and I have a proper discussion with the proper time that we need to look at this and, and, and look at this carefully and then decide how we approach this. Uh, but this can't wait because you already may have a timing issue where you've let them kind of do bad things to you. So we got to deal with this right now. So reach out to me as soon as possible. I'm in the office all week off air and do that before you send an email. Tom, here's that email again, help at employmenthour.com, and the phone number to get a hold of Lior and his team, 1-855-821-5900. That is the way we like to roll. We're going to get to uh, Abraham. Abraham, thanks for hanging in. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. What's going on with you? Uh, I actually have a question for my daughter on behalf of my daughter. Uh, at her base of employment, she's in second-year uh, university student, and she's working these four summer months to earn as much money mm -hmm. as possible for the school year. Uh, her place of employment, she was getting fine, you know, good enough hours, 20, 20 plus hours. But lately, her hours been reduced. Uh, and one other employee who's, who's been there longer, uh, and she's a roommate with assistant manager. She's getting most of the hours. Some weeks, my daughter is getting only like three hour shifts in a whole week. Uh, so is there anything can be done on uh, regarding this? That's part one. Second, if she decide to leave this job and find another one, she's been applying anyway, uh, does she have to give them two weeks notice? So, so let me answer. First of all, Abraham, how long has she worked there for? Uh, another two weeks will be a year. One oh, year. okay. So, so here's what she could do. If she can show that for most of that year, up until very recently, she got consistently that 20, 25 hours, etc. If she can show that that's what happened, and then recently they've just started reducing her hours, then yeah, she actually may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal uh, and, and, and say, okay, I'm going to leave, but you have to pay me severance. Now, uh, how old is your daughter? Uh, she's 19. So she's not going to get much because obviously she's young. It's kind of a part-time job for, for uh, under a year. So she'd probably be looking at, you know, three weeks pay or something like that. So she, that may, what's at stake here. 
Now, but to, to your second question, does she have to give two weeks' notice? In a position like that, no, not really. Unless she signed an employment agreement that obligates her to do that, no, she doesn't have to give the two weeks' notice. If she wants to tell them, I'm not coming in tomorrow, she can. Uh, again, unless she signed an employment agreement that obligates her to give more notice than that. Oh, okay, yeah, that part I'm not aware of. I have to check with her. But that, yeah, that answered all my questions. I appreciate that. Thanks, Abraham. Thanks, Abraham. Uh, moving forward, you need to get a hold of Lior for anything else. one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com. And you still got plenty of time. We've got open lines for you as well till around 10 to 8 tonight. And that number, as you know, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk That number is toll-free. In between that, we'll talk about our topic. This is kind of a statement and a question. Why do so many people accept pennies on the dollar when it comes to severance? First of all, how common is it for people who have lost their job to sign off? I'm talking about signing off on a bad severance offer. You know, every time, John, uh, we're on the air, we talk about severance. And, yep. and every time we're on the air or we get off the air, I get calls or I get emails from people that say, oh, gosh, Lior, thank you very much, and I'm so glad that, that I heard you because I want you to help me with my severance, except oftentimes these people have already accepted it. Uh, and, and they didn't know that uh, by accepting it they can't do anything. And, and I always ask, well, why did you accept uh, and, and there's many reasons for that, uh, and we'll talk about those, but it's very, very common, John. Uh, most people, when they lose their job, don't actually know what they're owed, and they accept inadequate severance. It happens often, and the company counts on it, frankly. Yeah. If the company lets go 10 people and they offer all 10 of them inadequate severance, they can almost assume or, or count on the fact that 9 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 at the, at the worst are going to accept it. So that's pretty good odds for the company. So what we want to do, what we've been doing on this show for five plus years now, is to inform you and educate you so that you don't make that mistake. So yeah. you, you don't walk away from twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars in severance that you're owed uh, because uh, you didn't know any better or because you didn't have a or you thought you didn't have a choice. So it is an extremely common problem, Johnny. So we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk about a few of these points. First one is uh, they're in shock and not thinking clearly. Completely understandable. Completely understandable. So think about it. Uh, you just uh, went to work today. You thought everything was fine. You had a list of things you had to get done at the office, and then all of a sudden you get called into a meeting. No problem. You get you grab your uh, uh, your laptop and you go into the meeting, and then you find the HR person there, and they tell you today's your last day. Holy cow! You didn't expect yeah. it. Now it's it's like you're you know everything is falling around you, and you're immediately thinking. What am I going to do? How am I going to support my family? Uh, I just bought a, a new car, and, right. and my daughter is going to university, and, and I'm the sole provider. And you're in that state, and, and you're, it's a terrible, terrible situation. And then you put a piece of paper in front of you and said, you better sign this or else. So people are going to sign that at that point because you're in that weakened state, uh, and, and it's a terrible time to have to make an important decision. So because of that, and every day I see this, people sign these inadequate offers uh, in, in that uh, you know, very weakened and uncomfortable situation. So one of the things we're doing here is we're giving you that information. So if that does happen to you, it's a bit less of a shock. You can make an informed decision and not let that pressure of the situation impact you. Signing off on bad severance offers, the reasons why. We'll get to more of those in between. We're flipping over to the phone calls because they are top, top priority. Tom, thanks for calling through. How are you, pal? I'm doing great. Listen, um, my, my son took an internship, and it's been very productive. He learned a lot of things. Uh, it started out there were three interns. Uh, when the internship expired, they asked him if he'd stay on. He was really, you know, he felt um, that it was quite a compliment. 
they started to pile on more and more work. All the other interns were gone. They said there might be a job in the offing. And uh, this week he went to them. I said, you know, you got to go and talk to them and find out, like, firm up on that job. Uh, you know, there's some seasonal reasons why, you know, you can't sort of go on like this because he was making $200 a month. You know, nowhere near even minimum wage. And they, the, the work was piling up. What are the rules about internships? At what point, you know, I mean, job offers in the future and so on, uh, they can be pretty hollow. And at the end of the day, when he kind of called them on, they said, well, we can't be sure when it's going to happen, yeah. even yeah. if it's going to happen. Does he have any recourse? You know, it's it's common, what you're describing right now. And it's a company, ultimately, I'm going to be very blunt, trying to get free labor. It really it is what it is. And, and think about it. You can't get free labor by calling it internship because – if you did that, then hey, no one would ever have to pay anyone. They just call it an internship. Yeah. For it to be a legitimate internship, he would have to get a lot more from it than they're getting out of it. Okay. Once he actually does work for them, that's a job. And if they're calling it an internship and not paying him or not paying him minimum wage, that's illegal. They're breaking the law. Okay. So it, this is a classic situation. It happens often. By the way, it happens in radio, but that's a different issue. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, it, it happens in, in many industries, frankly. So the problem is, what do you do about it? Because yeah, one of the recourses, he can go to the Ministry of Labor, he can talk to me, but then he's going to be concerned that if he does that, well, then obviously at that point, they're not going to want to actually keep him on. So it's a, it's a practical reality. It's, the law is easy. The law says, no, you can't do that. It's illegal. The law even provides good remedies. The, the problem is a practical one, and how he wants to deal with it, it's up to him. If he wants my help or if he wants to go to the Ministry of Labor to get paid for his time, absolutely. But how is that going to impact the relationship with this company? I can't tell you that, but I, what I, I absolutely am able to tell you is that what they're doing is illegal. Well, that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. Again, uh, Lior's number directly, one 821 5900 or simply help at employmenthour.com. It's still time for you to call through. We've got a few minutes left here. Bring it on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That is toll-free, as you know. Mike, hey, pal, how are you? Hi, how you doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Um, so I am a union employee. Uh, I just had a question as for representation from the union, would they follow the same uh, basically employment laws uh, you guys have to follow? Excellent. The question. answer is no, uh, Mike. For the most part, the answer is no, they won't. Uh, the, the union and the employer would follow what, what the collective agreement says, which for many of the things we're talking about would be very different. Certainly, there would be no concept of, of severance, really. There would be no concept of constructive dismissal. None of that really would apply in a unionized uh, situation. Uh, the collective agreement says what it says in terms of the job, the duties, the pay, vacation, hours, all that, and that's the law. So effectively, the employer and employees create their own law uh, that's that collective agreement. And you know, in many cases, that could be a good thing. What it, where it is a bad thing is, is about the idea of losing your job. If you lose your job and you're part of a union, you're going to be looking at a tiny fraction of what a non-union employee would get that's just the way that that system works. So no, it's not the same laws. It's only what's in the collective agreement. Okay, that's understandable. Um, I, I I get that part totally. If there's something not covered in the collective agreement, so th there are certain things that that the law automatically imposes. Uh, you know, for example, the, the obligation to treat people properly, and and a number of other things. You know, the the 
there's a number of other technical things that the law does impose, but in terms of the everyday stuff that you're, you're going to be dealing with, it is going to be covered in the collective agreement. But here's the thing. Even if you have a problem that's not covered in the collective agreement, still the only one that can represent you in that issue is the union. You can't say, well, wait a second, this is not addressed in the collective agreement, so I'm going to deal with it myself, or I'm going to hire a Lior to represent me. It still has to be the union. Okay, perfect. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate uh, your call the evening as well. Uh, your friends, family, anybody, further information, one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. So, yeah, we were talking about uh, signing back and going for unreasonable severance offers, why people sign off. Another one is, and this one smacks of a, of a date at the bottom, that is they're pressured by the employer, right? That pressure tactic. So not only are you in a weakened state, you're in a situation where you're concerned about money. Now there's a deadline. There's a pressure. And what does that deadline say? It says, well, you have to sign this by Friday at 5 or we're not going to pay you. So holy cow, I just lost my job. I have all these financial obligations. I don't know when I'm going to find another job. And they're telling me that if I don't accept this offer by Friday, I don't get paid. Well, I better sign this, right? Because you know, I, I have to get paid. So that's the that's why people sign these offers. That those are probably the main reasons. But the problem with that is, that's wrong. Your legal rights don't expire at at, at Friday, five or Friday or Tuesday or any other day. You have two years to pursue your rights. And guess what? You're owed what you're owed. The company doesn't get to decide that they're not going to pay you. Thank you very much. The law takes care of that. The law is going to decide how much they're going to pay you, when they're going to pay you. So because of that, that is just a pressure tactic. It's an effective pressure tactic because many bet. people, unfortunately, fall for that pressure tactic, and I understand why. But it's all it is. It's a pressure tactic. Don't let that happen to you. Call me. That deadline is meaningless. I'm giving you my blessing right here, right now to ignore that deadline. Give me a call, and let's talk about what you're actually owed. I want to try to get another call here, uh, dwindling minutes. Uh, Gary, how are you, pal? I'm doing very well. Good. What's going on with you? Okay, here's the situation. I was terminated from my job. Uh, the letter of termination said that it was based on uh, substandard performance. Uh, there's nothing in my file. I signed no documents to say that I've been uh, talked to. There was no three-step process. It was just, here's your package, you're out. And then when they gave me my package, they had a deadline on it that they said, if you don't sign it, you don't get any money. There you go. And did you sign it? Yes, I did. Oh, man, man, man. That's exactly what we're talking about. How long did you work there for? Three years. Three years. What kind of job and how old are you, Gary? I'm, I'm 70 years old. I'm an industrial millwright. Okay. And I'm going to tell you that you probably rode right around six months pay. What they offer you? Uh, three months. Well, there you go. So it's 50 cents on the dollar. But so the, the reality, Gary, is that you're owed much more. And the whole performance thing, I consider that to be nonsense. And obviously, they knew that it was nonsense. That's why they offered you severance. But because you signed it, obviously, you felt that pressure. It's exactly what we were talking about a second ago, that there was that deadline. You, you accepted it. And, and yeah, you, you unfortunately, and I, I say this, you know, feeling very bad for you because I've spoken with people in that situation many times. Uh, unfortunately, you walked away from, from those rights, and I'm not blaming you for it. But because of that, Gary, despite the fact that what they did is wrong, you can't get out of what you signed. Oh, it's a drag hearing those stories. I can't stand that. Gary, thank you for your call. We'll see if we get Bob in here in the last couple of minutes. Hey, Bob, good evening. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you tonight? Uh, well, our company has basically sold their property, and uh, they already told us it would be done by the end of the month. 
I was wondering how that affect the employees for severance and how they pay afterwards. Like for well, here's the thing. If, if they sold, it means that they just got money from whoever they sold it to, right? Yep. So if you lose your job as a result of this sale, well, then, yeah, they have to pay it. The only time a company doesn't pay, so to speak, is if they go bankrupt, which is not obviously what's happening here. So I would now wait on this because they've sold, they got some money, but who knows what's going to happen to that money next week, next month, next year. So if you know that you're losing your job, yes, they have to pay it. And short of a bankruptcy, it's not going to be a problem. We know they got money. Uh, so they're going to have to pay you and your colleagues what they're owed. Have you lost your job or are you losing your job as a result? Yeah, they're no longer in business. We'll be in business after this month. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's get your severance. Because we're running out of time, I'm, I don't have uh, enough time to ask you the usual questions, but you have to reach out to me right now while there's still potentially the ability to recover compensation. Let's connect off air and let me help you get what you're owed. Bob, appreciate that call. A good way to uh, wrap it up for tonight as well. You need to get a hold of Lior Bob. You know how to do it. one 821 5900 You're wondering what your severance should be before you sign anything, before you even call the or, which you should do anyway, severancepaycalculator.com. It's free. It takes 30 seconds to use. You can't pay for it if you wanted to, and the information is right there for you to grab. Over half a million people have trusted this thing, and they should, so severancepaycalculator.com. We'll be back Wednesday at uh, 7 o'clock, and then our weekend shows, and of course, in Employment Hour and 30 on Global TV and CTV as well. That happens on the weekend mornings. This has been the Employment Hour. We're back with On Point with Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.